Welcome to another episode of Impolite Company, a show where we discuss all the things that you're not supposed to talk about in polite company. We talk about politics, religion, and all the other things that truly matter. And now, here's your host, Scott Wingerter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Impolite Company. I'm your host, Scott Wingeter. Today on the show, I have uh, a very special guest, Mr. John Escoto, who is running to be the mayor of Shenandoah. John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So first of all, tell our viewers uh, who may not know, where is this Shenandoah? <laughs> well, Shenandoah is a... Uh a growing little city that straddles I-45 just north of the woodlands. Okay. So it's, uh, I'm sure people have driven right through it and not even realized that they went through Shenandoah. Yeah. But that's where we're located. Yeah. For those who live here in Montgomery County, uh, you might have gone, uh, the old navies over there that looks they got the beautiful, uh, you know, facaded building that looks like, yeah, it looks like St. Mark's Square in Venice. It's gorgeous. I love that place. All right. So tell me real quick how, about how big is this uh, tiny little city that, that exists there? Uh, Shenandoah's footprint, geographic footprint is about 2.2 square miles. Okay. And we're right smack, like I said, right, uh, in the middle of 45. 45 cuts right through it. Okay. And so you currently are serving as a member of the city council, but then you're running for mayor. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. All right. And how long have you been a, a council member? Uh, at the election day on May 7, it would be a full year, so half of my term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but prior to that, I was in uh, uh, planning and zoning, the planning and zoning commission there in Shenandoah. Okay. So I've been involved with with the with the city, you know, on on different different roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, lately, planning and zoning and city council. But before that, I volunteered for uh, many things throughout the city. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let let's just get into a little bit about your background. Tell us about who you are, John. Where you come from, and what makes you tick. Well, well, again, my name is John Escado, and I was born in Honduras, so I'm, a, I'm an actual immigrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, my family came up to the United States back in the early 60s, uh, and we settled up in New York, in New York City. So you can, can imagine the culture change coming from a Central American climate to arriving in New York City in December. <laughs> the, uh, the, the weather change alone was a shock. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in New York City and uh, uh, was educated there. Went to, you know, elementary, junior, and high school there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, uh, from there, I, I joined the military. And uh, most of my time was served in the South. So I went back from going from Central America to New York City to serving almost all of my adult life uh, in public service in the South. I see. Yeah. What branch were you in? I was in the Army. Okay. Yeah. I, I did active duty in uh, Fort Polk. I was a military policeman in Fort Polk. And, uh, uh, 
yeah, and, and from there, that's what kick-started my, my law enforcement career. So you were enlisted? I was enlisted, yes. Okay, what rank do you make it to? I made it to Master Sergeant okay. uh, when I finally retired from the, from the Army Reserves. And that position, the rank was Master Sergeant, but my actual position was Acting Command Sergeant Major mm. of a battalion. Okay. Uh, uh, because I, I was a short-timer, I didn't make it to Sergeant Major School and act, get the actual Sergeant Major title, yeah. you know. Well, I, you know, most people don't know this, but it, I mean, to, just to get to that E nine rank, it, I mean, it requires a, an act of Congress, you know, and that's a, a a difficult thing to to grasp a hold of. Absolutely, there aren't that many sergeant majors around. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for your service. That's awesome. So, what did you do after you uh, did, did you do your whole twenty years active duty? No, no, I did. Uh, most of my time was reserve time. When I got out of the Army uh, from when I was a military policeman, mm-hmm. I looked for a job related to what I had been doing, which was norm- would be a police officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I applied. Uh, I had Before I went in the Army, I had applied for the New York City Police Department uh, and was accepted, and my academy was scheduled. But it was in those days, the academies weren't done like two or three times a year. They were done like once a year because they would have a, a large body, 100, 150 people. Mm-hmm. So they would schedule them on a yearly basis. Mine was scheduled three and a half years after I, I passed all the tests. Yeah. So um, I decided that, the, uh, that I would try to get a jump on everybody else by going in the Army, becoming a military policeman. This way I would have at least the, the fundamentals of police work. So when I started the academy... In New York, mm-hmm. I would be that much better prepared. Sure. But unfortunately, uh, New York City almost went bankrupt mm. back in 74, 75 when all this occurred. And so I lost the job even before I had it. Yeah. Before I was sworn in, I lost the job because the academy was eliminated. <sighs> so here I was in the Army. Um, now I'm a military policeman. In fact, I was a, an investigator in, in, in the uh, in the military police, mm-hmm. MPI is what they were called. And, um, and my time, my active duty time was coming to an end. So I decided to, well, I'm not going back to New York since I don't have a job. Mm-hmm. So I started looking in, in the local areas. And a friend of mine who was from New Orleans said, hey, why don't you go to New Orleans? They, they, they're always hiring. Mm-hmm. So I went and, and uh, applied for the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office, which is just outside of of New Orleans, uh, and got accepted. So uh, I transitioned from being a military policeman to being a deputy sheriff in a rather large parish or county Mm -hmm. in Louisiana. I think at that that time when I came on, it was about 1,800 strong, Mm -hmm. which is pretty good-sized police department. Sure. More metropolitan than you would think a sheriff's office would be. Right. Um, So I did, I became a, a... a deputy sheriff, and eventually became a detective working uh, special investigations, uh, you know, narcotics, vice, intelligence, things of that nature. Uh, and then uh, I, uh, I had another friend who was in the Army with me who became a Louisiana state trooper. Mm-hmm. And at that time, sheriff's deputies weren't getting paid very much. Right. Uh, state troopers was, was the next, economically, was the next step, mm-hmm. you know, to, for better paying uh, work. Sure. I applied and got accepted and became a state trooper. 
there in, in uh, the New Orleans area. I eventually became a detective again, mm -hmm. as a state police detective. And then I met another friend, believe, believe it or not, every five years it seems like I, I couldn't keep a, a straight job <laughs> for longer than five years. Yeah. But I met, uh, uh, I met up with this friend, and he said, listen, uh, U.S. Customs is hiring, and they're hiring uh, local investigators mm -hmm. because they need more people there they, they, they need more investigators so I applied and got accepted and then transitioned over to US Customs became a, a special agent in US Customs where we you know investigating investigated you know uh, drug smuggling illegal uh, exports like munitions mm -hmm. dual use uh, uh, material uh, uh, corruption frauds all of those all of those things we uh, I became a special agent there mm -hmm. and and just progressed through that my career progressed within the u s customs um, eventually winding up in internal affairs uh where we the now the investigations turned from from the exterior to investigating the interior of the agency you know corruption from right. the employees and all of that um, and uh ev it, eventually i got Promote it all the way up to the swamp. This one, you know what what I mean. I do. Yeah, I know. I know the foggy bottom. <laughs> yes, as it yeah. was called in, a, in historical terms. That's yes. right. Yes, yeah. so, Washington D.C. That's right. So I got yeah. promoted. Wound up in Washington D.C. Where that's where my my management uh, part of my career kicked in. Mm -hmm. I started managing uh, groups that would uh, conduct management inspections of offices, all the investigative offices that U.S. Customs had mm -hmm. in, in domestically in the U.S. and abroad. Because we, at that time, we had, I think it was, at that, if I recall correctly, it was like 42 foreign offices spread out in, in different uh, countries all mm -hmm. over the world. So I led teams on inspections of those offices to make sure that they were operating within you know, parameters, sure. and procedures, and all of that, uh, budgetary, uh, investigating uh, in, uh, cases, uh, everything was done administratively correct. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then uh, having had that experience uh, internationally, I got transferred to the international affairs section, which I actually wound up managing all those offices that I had inspected. Mm -hmm. I wound up managing those offices all nice. over the world. So. That's the extent of my law enforcement career uh, and my experience in management. I did that for about five years, managing those offices. So um, that's, and, he, and then I finally retired and wound up here in Texas. I know it took a long time for me to get here, but I got here and I'm here and I'm happy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. Uh, I don't say this too loudly around here, but I'm from Pennsylvania, so. Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> but I got here as fast as I could too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. it's, it, it, I've been here for 11 years here in Montgomery County, mm -hmm. in Shenandoah the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. So you've been on the city council, you've been in the, the zoning and planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and now uh, I, I understand that the current mayor is deciding not to run for re-election. And so that leaves an open seat. And right. y why do you want to be mayor? Why not just fulfill your term as 
you know, the council member, maybe run for re-election on that. Why mayor? Well, we're at a point in Shenandoah where there's a lot, there are a lot of things that need to be done mm -hmm. that I think require more focus and more knowledge of uh, what it what it takes to get meet those goals to 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 reach those those points that we're going toward. Uh, and I think that someone from within is probably better prepared. In fact, I'm certain that I'm better prepared to deal with those issues than someone coming in fresh from the outside who mm -hmm. has uh, probably no knowledge of the inner workings of what's going on within the city. Mm -hmm. And that's one, that's the main reason why I, we have some projects that we need to make sure that we walk through, you know, the, the, the bureaucratic process to mm -hmm. get them approved, to get them funded and to get them uh, started. You know, our, our major issues in Shenandoah are, are you know, is traffic, is mobility. Mm -hmm. Because like I said before, we're right on I-45. So we, we suffer from all that congestion, mm -hmm. people getting off of the highway or getting onto the highway at peak hours, et cetera. And even during the day, the, you mentioned our Portofino shopping center. Mm -hmm. uh, during the day, there's, you know, our population is a little less than 3,500 people. But on any given weekday, we can, our population could increase, you know, to twice that size. Mm -hmm. And that's on a regular day. You know, that's not including all the flow-through traffic that goes north and south on, on, on 45. Right. So to alleviate a lot of that congestion, we have some projects that are ongoing that need to be hand-carried through. And mm -hmm. I think the best person to do that is the mayor. And I think that, that uh, I'm qualified. I feel, I feel that I'm qualified mm -hmm. uh, to do that because I have already established relationships with, with the people that need to make the right, the decisions. Mm -hmm. you know. Awesome. Um, so how do you, how does your background uh, enter into all of this? You know, we just went through all your, you know, you've been a police officer, a local, you know, deputy sheriff, a state trooper. You've worked for the federal government. You've worked for government at every level. Um, and then even as a manager of, you know, international uh, offices uh, that, you know, were run by the Department of Homeland Security and uh, customs. customs. Yes. Yeah. So how does all of that, that long career prepare you for, you know, running, uh, you know, the, the city of Shenandoah as mayor? I think that, that uh, you know, my career has prepared me uh, in a way that uh, I think uh, is unique because I have been, I have had the opportunity to, to deal with, with people at high levels uh, uh, in, in different arenas, uh, you know, domestically, uh, you know, handling uh, uh, emergencies, handling uh, weather emergencies or uh, things like that. I've been a 9-11, you know, you know, mm -hmm. we were, you know, I was in D.C. when 9-11 occurred. So there was a lot of coordination that needed to be done, needed to be done with uh, not only the, the, the governmental bodies in D.C., but all of our other offices that were spread out all over the country. Yeah. They had to be coordinated as well. So uh, dealing with people at high levels, uh, you know, uh, working out, 
plans, uh, plans of action and, and reaction, uh, all of those things I think have prepared me for that. I've, not only have I d dealt with people at, at, at high levels in the United States, within the communities, police chiefs and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, sheriffs and uh, state, go state government officials, mm -hmm. but in other countries as well. You know, yeah. high-level people in other countries mm -hmm. uh, have coordinated with them on investigations and how to prepare them for this or that. Uh, one thing that I that I uh, left out about my career is that once I retired from Homeland Security, mm -hmm. I had a contract with the United States Treasury as a as a, a senior advisor to foreign governments, particularly in Latin America. Mm -hmm. Since I'm fluent in Spanish, I had the ability to deal with people on, on matters such as uh, 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 preparing them on how to conduct money laundering investigations, drug smuggling mm. investigations, mm. Uh, prosecutions, uh, 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 corruption, all of that. Yeah. So I've dealt with uh, judges, I've dealt with uh, attorney generals in those countries to to develop these things. So uh, in a nutshell, I have dealt with with people. I know how to negotiate with people. I know how to uh, converse and get things through to other people. So, how do you use that uh, that background and, and the, your ability to uh, negotiate, as you said, and and uh, deal with people? How do if you were elected mayor, what do you see the relationship working like for uh, you know the Woodlands Township or you know the commissioner's court? You know, Mark Keogh is the judge. What what sort of uh, you know? expertise and uh, relationship do you expect to uh, see coming out of that? Well, the, you know, the, the, the basic thing is just meeting them and, and, and just uh, meeting eye to eye with things, bringing them issues that, that concern not only the city, but concerns all the surrounding mm -hmm. uh, communities, you know, uh, things that, you know, like, like we were just talking about the, uh, the mobility issues, mm -hmm. you know, it don't, it not, not just, only impacts Shenandoah. It impacts all the surrounding communities mm -hmm. uh, because we, you know, again, we straddle a, a very important part, geographic part of, of, of the community. And I think that um, having the ability to deal with people in those, in those, uh, in those ways, in those, in those particular matters, you know, like ability, you know, how, if we come up with a plan, how are we going to get, uh, let's say, uh, Commissioner uh, Riley to, to go along with it or commissional NOAC or, you know, being able to sit across the table with, with, with people to talk and just hash things out. I think, I think that's, that's, I think how, how, what I have learned through my career, uh, I could use to benefit the city of Shenandoah. Yeah. That's an excellent answer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, how do you feel about, you know, down the road with concerning your city, bumped right up to the woodlands if you know years down the road if the woodlands is gobbled up by by the city of houston what are your thoughts on that oh that's that's a big concern hmm? uh a, a major concern that's uh uh and you can't you can't really erase it as a as a possibility I, at this point i feel i, I don't know uh Maybe I don't know what the woodlands itself, the township has done to safeguard things 
you know, from that happening. Yeah, but, I think it's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. But fortunately, our forefathers back in 1974, when they decided to 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 uh, uh, establish yeah. and incorporate it as a city, I think they were very forward looking. Mm-hmm. They decided, oh, we're going to become a city this way. Nobody can incorporate us. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody can gobble us up. Right. So, and I think that we're safe in that regard, and that's one of the things that 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 that, that keeps us from, you know, from being that that concerned. But however, uh, since we are so close to the woodlands, that that is a, a something that would concern us. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it concerns all of us. I mean, even I live here in Magnolia. You know, I don't want you know the city of Houston to gobble up someplace like the woodlands. No, I don't think no, anybody in Montgomery so. County likes that idea at all. No, no, I, I, and I agree with them. I, I, that's something I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for. Yeah. So, when you, why did your family? Let's get into this. Why did your family leave Honduras? Well, I think for a better, better way of life. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that that's the basic reason why anybody from from those countries uh, leaves. Uh, you know, we we were not a very uh, wealthy uh, uh, family. Mm-hmm. You know, at one time I think my my great grandfather he owned a lot of land in in Honduras, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's eventually you know all of that just kind of disappears and disappeared in some way legally or politically. And there were a lot of political issues that were going on back in those days, back in the 40s and 50s mm-hmm. in Honduras. Uh, but basically, my, my mother, well, my siblings and I grew in a single-parent home. Mm-hmm. My mother was was the parent. Yeah. And uh, well, my older sister had moved up to, to, to New York mm-hmm. with her biological father, had given her the opportunity to come up to the U.S. And she, uh, she came up to New York. And eventually when she got older and, and was looking at, you know, establishing her, her own family, mm-hmm. well, she wanted her mother, mom, our mother, mm-hmm. to come up. So she sponsored my mother ah, okay. up to the U.S. So, so when, uh, and then my mother in turn sponsored the rest of us, you know, my other sister and my brother. Yeah. No, I, I bring that up because, you know, it's, um, I, I'm of course friends, uh, good friends with, uh, Mariana McGuire. She's a good friend of the show and, yes. uh, you know, she's the president of the Hispanic conservatives. Yes, Club, and, her, yeah. yeah. And that's where we met actually. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's good to get those stories out there, I mm-hmm. think. And, you know, I think she's done a great job of getting all of those, you know, this is where I come from stories. Uh, that's been a, a theme that, of the club, uh, over the last year and so i like to get those out there because you know it's such a such a fascinating uh story and it it shows america i think to be what it really is is the shining city on a hill i agree Uh, Uh, i wholeheartedly agree yeah uh you know i was 10 years old when i arrived in Mm -hmm. this country and uh uh, i left honduras and landed in what was then idlewild international airport JFK, mm-hmm. on a very cold winter night, my brother and I, we were the last to, to arrive, mm-hmm. um, got off of that plane onto the freezing snow mm-hmm. with no coats, you know, just a nice little suit that my brother had made uh, 
had arranged to be made for me. Yeah. You know, got off the plane and met my, you know, the rest of my family. And from that point on, I realized that my whole life had changed. Yeah. You know, I was, I was in America. Right. And from that point on, my mother, who was a, a very, very strong woman, uh, strong will, strong spirit, strong character. Mm-hmm. She, um, she said, listen, she says, we are here by the grace of God. She says, we are going to do everything right according to the laws here in, the, here in this new country of ours. Mm-hmm. She says, we are not going to take anything from anybody. Everything we get, we're going to earn. Mm-hmm. So she instilled that in us. Yeah. We never took any any type of relief, any welfare. Mm-hmm. If I wanted new shoes, I had to go out and work summer jobs. Yeah. Uh, you know, af- after school. If I wanted it, I had to go work for it. Right. Nothing, nothing was free. And so she instilled that. My mother, although she didn't, I don't think she ever knew it, realized it, but she was a very conservative. Yeah. A Republican woman. Right. You know, even though she voted for JFK, who at that time, you know, was... Fairly conservative. Fairly conservative. Yeah, yeah. He, no doubt he'd be a Republican this day and age. I think so, with the, with the, with this labeling that we have now, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays, especially. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, Reagan's whole tax plan was basically reviving JFK's whole tax plan. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's how I grew up with right. that. And and one thing she made sure, especially for me, she made sure that when I got home from school. Yeah. I didn't speak English inside the house uh-huh. because she didn't want me to lose ah, okay. Spanish. Yeah. So you can speak English outside the house at any time, but as soon as you come in here, you're going you're gonna to make sure you don't forget where you, come from. where you came from and your mother tongue. Yeah. So to this day, I'm bilingual. Yeah. My kids are bilingual. That's nice. So because it's always good to sure. have that, you know, that extra, yeah, extra tool in your pocket. You yeah. Know, to, to help you through life. So I'm going to pivot here and I want to talk about this interesting pattern that I see going on uh, in in your life. It seems like it's come just completely full circle, right? So like you were in the army and then you become just a sheriff's deputy. I mean, local level, right? Then you get hired and you're a state trooper at the state level. And then you get hired at the federal government and then you're working and, you know, and this is international, uh, you know, level taking care of all of these offices that are overseas, right? And then here we are and we're coming full circle back and you're running for mayor of, you know, going from someplace like, you know, New York City to, you know, an adorably small little town here in, in, in Texas. It, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I never thought of that of it that way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it it is a full circle. Yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, but I've always felt that uh, even to this day, I, I felt that I, that I should still be giving something back. Right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. throughout my life, I, that's what I've been doing. You know, I, my my mother's words have always, you know, stayed with me. You yeah. Know, don't take anything that you don't earn, and, mm-hmm. and, and make sure you that, that you know you pay back. Sure. To this country, what the the, the opportunities that yeah. You know, that you that you have gotten, and I have taken advantage of opportunities that 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 are available that were available to mm-hmm. me, and 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 that's I think that uh, to this day I think uh, she's up there and she's yeah she's giving me a thumbs up. You did good, kid. I'm yeah. sure you. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's fascinating too. Like we as Americans, I, I how many like what's what's your target 
vote here? Like, what is what does John need to get voter wise uh, in this upcoming election or, or around? And you're like, yep, all right, I nailed it. I'm I'm going to get elected. Yeah. Well, generally, I would say to that question, I would answer, all I need is you know, fifty one percent, of course, right, basically. But as far as as raw numbers, yeah, I think if I could get uh, you know, three hundred. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that neighborhood, right? I think that 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 would be uh, that would be a good thing. And how many registered voters live in in Shenandoah? Uh, I'd say that registered voters are probably seventeen hundred, eighteen hundred, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Out of a full population of just under thirty four hundred. Yeah. Uh, but uh, out of those registered voters. Especially in off-year elections, there are always you know there's always a low turnout to, right. to those, and that infuriates me because you know here here I am. And this one of the reasons I, I started this show in the first place was you know I want to give guys like you an opportunity to come in here and like make your pitch to your constituency, mm-hmm. um, and you know I could do a national uh, political talk show, uh, you know, and probably get more success, you know. P- Possibly, you know, I could be the next, you know, Sean Hannity or Mark Levin or one of those guys doing a talk show mm-hmm. like that, and you know, have millions of viewers and all of that. Yeah. But, you know, it's not to say that national politics isn't important. Of course, national politics is, and even state politics is is important. But, you know, the government that can affect your life the most is the one that's closest to your home. That's true. And I think we as Americans take that whole thing f- for granted. And, you know, it, I think that's a mistake. I want to know, you know, if I lived in, in your city, I want to know my mayor personally, you yes. know, especially that small of a city. Yes. There's no reason why I, I shouldn't, you know. Um, and to have that, to have the ability to call you, to give you, you know, my two cents on, you know, oh, we're going to put a, ro- you know, road through here or whatever business, uh, building uh, and construction ideas you have. You know, you you as a citizen, if you live in Shenandoah, I'm sure you can call John and talk to him yes. and he'll hear you out and listen to, you know, what your needs are. And he wants that, I'm, I'm sure. Of Is course, that, yeah. of course. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's part of the job of serving, sure. Especially in a in in a position as as the ones that I that I have had and that I'm seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I often you know, I told you off camera before mm-hmm. that uh, I've been walking the streets, campaigning. I've been shaking hands, knocking on doors, and talking to people and asking them, mm-hmm. "Well, how how do you think things are going in Shenandoah? Are we doing?" Uh, our job. Uh, where do you see us uh, uh, improvement? Mm-hmm. Anything that concerns you, you know. And yes, uh, I think that they they can and should reach out to not just me, but every council member, every yeah. everyone who represents them, if they have concerns about uh, matters that impact their, their, you know, their their quality of life. Sure, they, they should the research, um, uh, not research, but reach out to. To, to people, to, you know, to, to the representatives, the people who can do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, John, why don't you uh, take this opportunity, look right in the camera, talk right to the, to the people of Shannon Doe who may be watching this, and tell them why they should be voting for you. And uh, that early voting starts, what, April 25th? 25th? And then the actual election day is May 7th. May 7th, that's correct. 
Go ahead, make your pitch. Well, uh, I think that I am qualified, uh, more than qualified, to represent the city of Shenandoah as as your mayor. Uh, I think that uh, I, well, I want to represent you, and I want to lead you and the city that we all love into the future. I want to make sure that, that the city is in good hands, that uh, your quality of life is is improved and is maintained. Uh, I want to provide security for you. I want to provide, I will always support our police department, which is doing a fantastic job at keeping us safe. Uh, they are uh, stopping crime from happening as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always reports of what they have done the night before. And I'm astounded that such a small police force is so active. I want to make sure that that continues. I want to make sure that we uh, continue with our our uh, budget, uh, uh, guiding the budget through, keep bringing it under uh, our projected uh, expenditures that 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 we established uh, uh, in you know the year before. Uh, I might say this: that the last four years we have come under budget considerably. Nice. So it's uh, and we want to. I want to continue doing that. Sure. I want to continue that because uh, I think it's essential. I think people. That's why we can't, we have a very low uh, property tax rate hmm. because most of our the majority of our revenue comes from sales tax. Yeah. And and that as long as we have that, we're gonna have uh, low property taxes, and the whole city is gonna benefit from it. Nice. So. That's that's my pitch. Awesome. Well, John, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, you know, thank you once again. So uh, if you live in Shenandoah, uh, May 7th, uh, if you don't do early voting, May 7th, make sure you get out there and uh, support uh, John Escato. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thanks again for coming on. We'd like to thank the Doc Line for hosting us and giving us this wonderful space. Uh, Once again, my name is Scott Winger. I've been your host for Impolite Company. Tune in next time. Uh, Make sure if you're watching on YouTube to smash that like button. Uh, Go ahead and subscribe so you can get the most up-to-date shows where we get to bring you interesting people like John. Uh, Thank you guys so much for watching. I couldn't do this without you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Impolite Company, presented by The Doc Line. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate our podcast and leave a five-star review for us.